The blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. I'm Adam. And I'm Scott. Welcome, Scott, to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We've had you on Throwback Trivia Takedown before, and this is our first time to really get to know Scott. Just Scott. Uh, he was on with his uh, his podcasting partner for Throwback Trivia Takedown. So, really quick, why don't you tell the people at home uh, where you are from and why you're so awesome? Oh uh, well, I don't know about the second part, but uh, I can oblige on the first part. My name is Scott Grimes. I am from Albany, New York, uh, the capital up here in. Uh, wait, 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 the capital's not New, New York. York City. No, it's not. Crazy, <laughs> right? I know. No one, no one ever knows that. <laughs> I tell them I'm from the capital. They're like, oh, where, Brooklyn? No, no. <laughs> Not Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm from. And, uh, you know, you may or may not recognize my voice. I uh, do a couple, you know, podcasts, a couple endeavors. I'm actually uh, honored to be a part of the BFOP network now with my uh, nostalgic cast, People Don't Forget, which Absolutely. is uh, very, very uh, – music centric i suppose i mean it's all things nostalgia but it's kind of hard not to talk about music because we all love mm-hmm. it so much so this uh is something i'm really really excited about and so you've asked for us today to do our top 10 90s one hit wonders this was interesting because we we have already done our 80s one hit wonders so i was very excited to do 90s one hit wonders adam what are, what are your thoughts on 90s one hit wonders I have a lot of memories with these 90s one hit wonders. I mean, 80s was, um, you know, I was born, I was born in 85. So like I missed, my memory doesn't really go back. Like the 80s are immediately kind of like, oh yeah, back in the day, even like before a lot of my memories really happened. But we lived through every single one of these phenomenons of all of these one hit wonders. And I kind of remember the impact of them on pop culture. And it's funny enough, I look back at some of the 80s one-hit wonders and our list and I'll be like, oh man, those are good songs. And some of these, I feel like 90s one-hit wonders are just fucking cringe city. It is so, <laughs> there's so many cringy songs in here that take me back and I'm like, ugh. But, but it's a fun list to make. I'm not going to lie. I had a good time yeah. doing the research. I actually had a very hard time because uh, I forgot just how many one-hit wonders there really yeah. were in the 90s. I mean, they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and all genres too. Yeah. So in my head, immediately, I was like, oh, this is going to be a list of a lot of 90s alternative songs. Um, and I did I did f- kind of oh, focus yeah. around that, but this, that was because that was the music I listened to at the time. But then going back and, and looking at other people's lists and looking at playlists and stuff like that, you realized, oh, there were one-hit wonders everywhere mm-hmm. in the 90s. The recording industry was really going crazy with signing people, trying to get stuff out. And I got to say... We had this issue when we talked 80s one-hit wonders, yeah. and I found it to be even worse with this one. Yeah. You know, what is a one-hit wonder? It's kind of, it's you know, it's, there's no real hard and fast definition. Um, I generally take it as uh, a band who uh, had one uh, big hit, maybe top 20 hit, um, and then was never able to repeat that. But then it's also... It's also iffy because you could have a band who had a really big one-hit wonder hit, and then their next hit would go to the top of the charts for a little bit, but it would not stay there. 
So, you know, does it have to be up there for more than a week? There are a lot of different things. But I would find, I often found, and maybe this is just people's memories, going back and looking at people's lists, I would find so many bands on a one-hit wonders list who were clearly not one-hit wonders. Yep. Doing my research, I saw like a group that had three, uh, or as a a single artist that had three top five. It was like a a number one Billboard Hot 100, and then a number three and another number three, and they were considered a one-hit wonder. I'm like, that's bullshit. I'm sorry. People just kind of forget about it. I mean, time lets some of those other ones slip away. But you're right. It is. That was something that was really... um, tough for me to get past that you know we see some of these classic one-hit wonders but like when you think about them and you go and look at their charts like oh shit they had another song their next song was in the top 10 like mm-hmm. so that that's a hit it just is um uh, but we you know it, it, time really kind of changes what the idea is because you only really remember a selective one or two from certain bands yeah one that made me really mad was i was listening to just a, a random spotify list of 90s one-hit wonders just so i can get some you know extra songs in my head and live, the band Live came oh. on, and it was and it was I Alone, which wasn't even their biggest no. hit. Yeah, so people be crazy. Yes, I'm just gonna put it that way. <laughs> so uh, Scott, what are what are your what is your fondness or your memories of of the '90s and and maybe some of the one hit wonder phenomena phenomena I sounded like the Muppet there. Yeah, phenomena. It's uh yeah no it's it's very similar to what Adam said um you know. All of these I actually remember happening rather than, you know, 80s one hit wonders. You kind of, you know, maybe you didn't learn about them until you were a little bit older. or You know, your parents listened to them. These were, you know, me. I was coming of age in the 90s. I was born in 89. So everything, all my memories are from the 90s. And especially, you know, once you hit a certain age, you start to develop your own taste for music. And mm-hmm. you, you, you stop listening to what your parents listened to or what my older sister was listening to and started to develop my own taste. And I found that unintentionally reflected in my list here. The majority of the songs on my list are late 90s, you know, after mm-hmm. 96, 97, just because, again, I was old enough to really kind of hear them and decide whether or not I liked them on my own. And that really is, is why they stood the test of time. You know, I put a lot of research into this. I tried to determine what was a one hit wonder. And I was, you know, taking chart success into consideration along with just how much I personally liked the song, how successful it was, and if it has staying power. So the Mm -hmm. 90s for me, I mean, I I can't obviously, you know, none of us can imagine growing up in a time different than when we did Mm because we did. But Mm -hmm. just everything encompassed was just so coming of age and so groundbreaking. And the music to me is, is at the top of that list. So this was just so exciting for me. And uh, I hope that uh, my list is a little bit diverse. Uh, You know, I tried to put some, maybe some deeper cuts and just some songs that maybe have gotten, you know, been forgotten over time to try to show them some, some love today. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm excited to go through this. I'm really excited now for these lists because we, we kind of, we have three people who are, have, we've pretty much hit all three parts of being born in the 80s. We've got 80, 85, and 89. So we're running the span of the 80s as far as, you know, as birth years go, which means our memories of, of 90s music is going to span a lot farther. Um, and, you know, our grow, our situation growing up is obviously going to be different than Scott's situation growing up. So his musical tastes are going to be different. This is exciting because I'm, I'm really hoping and I'm thinking, even between me and Adam, we're going to get a pretty – um, diverse list. I, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Maybe just maybe a few that will get together, but I'm anticipating a lot of different stuff. Yeah, 
when, and I'll say it now, a lot of the one hit wonders that we think about were so huge in the nineties didn't end up making my list. Now they're huge and they're classic. And I'll, I'll you know, maybe mm-hmm. we bring about some of will talk about them near the, at the end, but like a lot of those ones aren't songs that I actually enjoy listening to. Like I said, the one hit wonders from the eighties, I enjoy listening to, but <laughs> a lot of these nineties ones, I'm just like, man, that's a fucking terrible song. <laughs> like the nineties. The <laughs> I don't know, man. We, we, we enjoyed some weird shit. Yeah, and I will say that my list was largely based on nostalgia mm-hmm. uh, for a song because it reminded me of a specific time or a specific event or something like that that really me that really connected it, you know the song to a memory. And so my list is almost not entirely, but largely based on nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, unless anyone has anything else to add, I'm ready to get into my list. Yep. Let's do it. Yes. All right. Uh, uh, Adam, mm-hmm. why don't you start us off with your number 10? Yes. Uh, my number 10, I think, is a perfect song to get started with um, because not only is it one hit wonder, it's from a movie about a band that had a one hit wonder. <laughs> my number 10 is the O'Neaters or the Wonders, whichever one you want to call them, That Thing You Do. Did not make my list. Same. Okay. That song is catchy as hell. <laughs> it came out in 1996. And part of the nostalgia is I really did enjoy that movie. It's a fun, good movie. Mm-hmm. This song itself hit number 41 on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, obviously, you know, the as I mentioned, this the movie itself was based on, you know, or about a fake band from the 60s that had a one-hit wonder. Um, and I just think that that fit really well. Uh, the song itself was written by Adam Schlesinger, who was the founding member of Fountains of Wayne. He actually died from COVID um, in April of last year. But he knew how to hit make some. He did the Stacy's Mom song that most everybody knows him from. Um, mm-hmm. Another kind of one-hit wonders, Fountains of Wayne. Uh, but this one, this one, I, I always I always liked it. And I was kind of, as I mentioned, there was when I had my whole list of 90s one-hit wonders, I was kind of struggling in my number 10 spot. And I had a different one that, I ended up pushing back because I saw this and I was just like, oh, yes, this just encapsulates what a one hit wonder is as funny enough that they actually made one a legit one as well as the fake one in the movie. So it's really fun. I haven't actually seen that movie since probably the late 90s. Okay, but there is one part of that movie that I do remember that I always quote. In fact, uh, my buddy and I, who I used to work with, would quote this all the time and it would be I quit. I quit. I quit. <laughs> and that was it. That's all yeah. I really remember. Although I do remember the song and it was catchy, that is for sure. I you know what? For some reason, movie songs didn't yeah. come to me, but you were totally right on that. Yeah. It, it absolutely I think it went past the film itself and kind of, you know, a lot of people a lot more people knew that song than they did the movie. That's probably fair. That was a, there was a lot of those if you think back to the 90s too, like uh The Bodyguard, right? More people uh, yeah. know the song than then they do the bodyguard, you know, yeah, you know, my heart will go on from Titanic and mm-hmm. Iris from city of angels. There were a lot of big classic songs in the nineties that were yeah. 
on movie soundtracks. And like you said, you know, that thing you do was a, a pretty big movie and I've seen it. It's been a long time for me as well, but I definitely know the song and it is really catchy and yep. off to a good start. Cool. Uh, so my number 10, um, Adam might consider it to be an unexpected pick, but this song was everywhere when I was in middle school. Um, in fact, uh, I remember uh, one of the middle schools I went to, because I went to a couple, uh, we had frequent dances the year I was in sixth grade. And I don't, I don't know why, but we did. Um, and they were all outdoors. They were in kind of like a little commissary area, and that's where they did. They didn't do them in the in the uh, um, gym or anything. They were all outdoors. And for some reason, this song always played. And it wasn't really particularly a song you could, you, you know. First of all, I didn't know about you guys, but we were in middle school dances. You didn't dance to the fast songs. You only slow danced. <laughs> fast, fast, fast songs were for walking around and talking with your friends. Slow dances were with finding the girl, awkwardly slow dancing with them, and then you walk away and don't talk to them again until the next slow dance. <laughs> but this one always played, and it's always been kind of a catchy song to me, uh, and that is Tom Cochran's Life is a Highway. Looks like a road that you travel on when there's one day and the next day gone. Sometimes you bend, sometimes you stand, sometimes you turn your back to the wind. There's a world outside the darkened door where blues won't haunt you anymore. With a brave, I free love is so come ride with me to the distant shore. We won't hesitate, break down the garden gate. There's not much time today. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, didn't make my list, but yeah, definitely a good song. I didn't figure it was gonna make anyone's list, and and it is it is a catchy song. And I mean, nowadays if you play it, everyone's like, "Oh, Cars." Yeah, uh, Rascal Flats. Rascal, Rascal yeah. Flats. Yeah. Yep. But uh, no, no, no. I, I which their version is okay, but to me, like Tom Cochran's singing yeah. on that one is a little bit has a little bit more weight behind it, mm-hmm. the way he does it. So I like his version. And that better. Rascal Flats guy is pretty fat, so I'm not gonna lie, he's kind of weighty. But I know what you're talking about. I'm kidding. Uh, no, that, Adam, that, that is, you and I are not at all the people to be talking about something being weighty. I know. I know. I can't. I can't make fat jokes. I mean, or maybe I can because I'm fat. Does that work that way? I don't know. Sure. But only if they're sept- only if they're self-deprecating. Yeah. Right. Yeah, th- th- but that being said, "Life Is a Highway" is a good song. It's a, it's fun, um, and it's still got some like rock elements to it that she that she gotta like. I always kind of forget that it's a '90s song. It feels more like a 80s or even like late 70s one to me for some reason. Uh, all right, Scott, what's your number 10? Yeah, I think it's interesting that I, it seems like we all kind of started off with really fun songs. Uh, and, you know, right along with you, John, my number 10 is is really, really nostalgia based. And, you know, I can kind of pin it to a specific moment and a memory that I have. And I mean, it really is, you know, the quintessential one hit wonder in general, but especially from the 90s and it was one where initially I didn't think it would make my list, but then after just remembering how classic and how iconic it was, I felt like it needed to be represented. So my number 10 is the Macarena by Los Del Rio. (laughs) 
No way, did not make my list. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it wasn't even enough. in consideration for me. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, it is the quintessential one-hit wonder. Everyone still knows it today, mm-hmm. 20-something years later, almost 30 years later, depending on when it came out, probably getting close close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I used to play it for kids when I was teaching elementary school just a few years ago. They knew the song. So it is. it, it, it if anything, has had incredible staying power. Yeah. Adam, I can see you trying I to do still the know, I still head. know it. You know, hand, uh, 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 and then the hands, and then you're down the hips, and then you wiggle the hips. Hey, Margarita. I mean, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah exactly. It, it hit number one in 1996 on the charts, and that right there, I mean, just speaks to how massively successful it was. And I have a very specific memory of uh, just being at um, an outdoor sort of Christmas fair uh, in, in our hometown, and this is before flash mobs, I think maybe even had a name and there was just kind of this random flash mob outside and they put the Macarena on and me and my brother and my mom were just standing in the streets with a bunch of strangers doing the Macarena. And, you know, I was seven, seven years old and just having the time of my life. And like, you know, like Adam said, you know, all the moves, you know, you know, all the hand movements and there's just little parts in the song that are fun that, you know, you kind of remember, you know, when the female singer comes in and you know, that part's exciting. And, just all of that uh, just kind of wrapped up and encapsulated that. That was my childhood. There it was just fun times and memories and music being played. And the Macarena provided that for me. So I felt like I needed to, in turn, include it on my list here. It's funny how many pop songs trick us into line dancing. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> it's, um, you know, I don't know if it made anybody's list, but there's definitely a country one hit wonder that had like a line dance to it, too. And then. Like electric slide and other other stuff like that. Yeah. They <laughs> What's that what's that one? The 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 walk it by yourself. Da, 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 da. That's another one more recently. Uh the Cupid Shuffle. That one is a little yeah. bit more recent that also also is kind of does that. Uh all right. Let's go on to our number nine, Adam. I don't want to talk too much about this song and so i'm not going to uh, because i'd be shocked if it's not on somebody's list higher because it is another one that is a quintessential 90s one hit wonder uh and it's sir mix a lot baby got back Much back. So, fellas, yeah. fellas, yeah. Cause your girlfriend got your butt. Hell Tell yeah. her, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake that healthy butt. Baby got ballet. Not on my list. Not on my list. Wow! I'm shocked. You put Macarena on your fucking list, but not Baby Got Back? 
I don't have any any emotional attachment to Baby Got Back. Okay, I, you don't have to have it. It's not an it's not an emotional attachment. It's something else. Well, I guess there are emotions to that, um, but there's something with it that that music video. I mean, it's a goddamn. It's a fun song. Uh, came out in 1992. It hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. I mean, this is not even this. It's just it's quintessential one hit wonder. It's quintessential like music video as well with like the starting off with those big ass peaches and he's, he's like standing on them and like around the butts and everything all the butts so many butts um i i this is everybody knows baby got back everybody knows mm-hmm. the start of baby i got back you know it's like oh my god becky look at her butt it is so big and like eh, it's cheesy but it's a fun cheesy um i do find it funny that uh um, so mix a lot added a little extra depth to this one, at least when he talks about it. He says, um, the song doesn't just say, I like large butts, you know? The song is talking about women who damn near kill themselves to try to look like these beanpole models you see in Vogue magazine. He, exp- he explains uh, that most women respond positively to the song's message, especially black women, saying, they all say about time. Like, you know, kind of like uh, was Megan Trainer's All About Them Bass more recently, but this one kind of had those elements of like, hey, People like thick women, and I'm a butt man myself, so maybe that's why I gravitated <laughs> towards uh, Baby Got Back, or maybe maybe it left an impression on me that turned me into a butt man. Um, <laughs> but this is this is a, a top tier. Like if you had to rank the impact of One Hit Wonders and like say the overall not nostalgic value or your favorites, this would mm-hmm. be a top three for me. I, I think for, for most everybody. One of my favorite memories actually of that song was uh, several years ago. Uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot performed this song with an orchestra, <laughs> and so he actually invited a bunch of ladies from the audience who were all dressed up to you know to go see the symphony to come up and start dancing, and you could just see the uh, musicians' eyes rolling from like it, like it wasn't even like a close up; it was like from far away, and you could tell like tell like they're like I can't believe I went through you know seven years of music performance school for this shit. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I just mirror everything that I mean Adam said. It it is yeah. it's such a classic song. There are so many parts of the song that, that everyone knows and double up, uh, uh, just you know, <laughs> small parts like that that wherever when if it's on wherever it is, you could hear it in a drive through, you know, playing through a speaker and you get to certain parts of the song and you can't not sing along. So it oh, definitely yeah. has that and you know, I think for a song that is, I guess, relatively derogatory, it is a little bit more kid friendly, I suppose, because it has those fun parts. You yeah. don't maybe feel as bad as a parent, you know, kind of having your kid listen to it, you know, because it's butt, it's not ass, you know, it's, yeah. it's a little bit more friendly, you know, in that regard. So it's certainly a fun song. It, you know, plays at weddings. I think it inadvertently invented the twerk decades yeah. <laughs> before anyone had a name for it. So it's got that going for it as well. Yes. It deserves many a thanks for that. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, my number nine may, uh, may or may not show up uh, on someone's list. Uh, it is definitely one of the 90s alternative ones that I have on there, and I won't say anything too much about it yet. Uh, my number nine is Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. Higher on my list. Okay, so we'll wait to talk about it then. All right, Scott, what is your number nine? My number nine, I do feel like I can talk about because I'd be shocked if it showed up on on either of your lists. Uh, I would say of my list, this is probably the most obscure song that I have on it. I don't think it uh, was very memorable probably six months after it came out. I don't think anyone would remember it. But this was a song that for whatever reason, my mom 
just was in love with uh, in the in the late 90s. And my mom, very, very old school where the music was not into current music too much in the 90s, was mostly mm. 70s and 80s stuff. So for her to be into a song that was out and relevant at the time was an anomaly in itself. And then the fact that it was just so catchy and it's it's not a good song. It's not a good <laughs> song at all. It's I, the artist is not very talented. Uh, it's a song that it peaked at number 13 in 1998. Uh, it the song is called Are You Jimmy Ray? not familiar with that song at all yeah doesn't ring a bell at least hearing the name yeah so the song i mean it's just over and over again it's are you jimmy ray who wants to know who wants to know and oh, it's that just, does that does sound for me who is the artist jimmy ray is the name of the oh, artist okay <laughs> yeah and so it's it's just this song that i mean again it's it's ridiculous it the, the, there's no lyrical content it's he's asking all these questions if anyone knows who jimmy ray is and you know he's asking are you sting ray are you fay ray are you jimmy ray and just throwing <laughs> these ridiculous ridiculous lyrics out there but it's yeah. just so catchy and it just has one of those fun beats in the background that you know as a kid if you're in the car or you know wherever you are if, if it comes on because it's easy to sing along you just you know, even if you don't know the word nah, 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 are you jimmy ray you wait for the jimmy ray part and you're like <laughs> i know this part it's jimmy ray <laughs> and then, you know the who wants to know part was fun so i do that on there kind of as a nod to my mom you know right. she got me into to music i would not have the music knowledge or the the appreciation for it that i would if it weren't for her and and this was this was more of a, a sincere pick you know kind of for her so thank you mom uh for the sentimental pick here i won't say much else because there isn't much else there's no depth to the song so <laughs> that's totally fair yeah that's totally fair that's awesome i do the that once you sort of sang the hook i did kind of i have a memory of that i never would have pulled it mm-hmm. out of my memory ever anywhere but uh, all right we're moving up to number eight adam Yep, uh, and you just mentioned it previously as your number nine. Um, really very similar spot for me. It's Deep Blue Something's Breakfast at Tiffany's. You'll say the world has come between us. Our lives have come between us. Still I know you just don't care. So uh, this came out in 1995. It hit number five on the Billboard Hot 100. But this is a cute, catchy, poppy, light rock song. Yeah. Um, you know, like it, like it should be a part of a rom-com soundtrack or something. I'm sure it has been. <laughs> it probably has been at some point. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's a fun one. You know, I 
John and I both liked alternative rock, liked grunge, that kind of stuff. Now, this definitely wasn't grunge, but like, um, and so like some of those more rocking ones, um, you know, I, I have a, a nostalgic value for, but this has little hints of some rock, but in a very Rembrandt-y, you know, which is another one hit wonder. I, I don't mean to, <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll hit somebody else's list, but like just, you know, it makes you, makes you feel good. You listen to it. Uh, to me, I think this is a great, like, um, like a road trip song. Like, you know, you're, you're with mm-hmm. a buddy and you're on a road trip. This song comes on and you're going to like sing along and just have fun. Yeah. I don't really have too much more to add from that. You pretty much covered everything. It's just a, it's a fun, light little song. It's, it's, you know, it's fun to sing along with the chorus and I've always just kind of enjoyed it. And I, I it always kind of like, I always kind of like forget about it and then it'll come back and I'll be excited to listen to it again. And then I'll forget about it. It's just one of those things that just kind of comes in and out of uh, rotation for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely a fun song. It it made my list of like you know crack my top twenty and just kind mm-hmm. of you know as other songs had to go in, it it shortly came out. But you know it's a lot of fun. It, it's one of those, like you said, Adam. It's it's one of those uh, proclaimers, right? Uh, Five hundred miles type songs where it's just you know it, you know the chorus. It's fun mm-hmm. to sing, sing, and you just have a good time with it. Um. All right. So for my number eight, I left the realm of alternative rock. And I'm going to go to kind of the world of dance, dance music. Um, I remember being in the car with our mother. And I don't remember if anyone else was in the car. It might have just been her and I. And me belting along with this song. And I can't remember if she was disgusted at my singing or that I was enjoying the song. But I still really kind of enjoyed the song, and it was one of those songs that, towards the end of the late '90s, towards the end of the '90s and into the 2000s, where the the stuff like Napster and stuff was becoming prominent, but was not prevalent everywhere. I kind of forgot about the song because I'd never heard it on the I didn't hear it on the radio anywhere. I never owned the CD until one day I was like talking to someone. I was like, "You remember this song? What was it called?" And they're like, "Oh, it's this one." And I immediately went back to my dorm room. Logged on to Napster and spent the next five minutes downloading the yeah. song since it took forever. Uh, and that song was "Connected" by Stereo, Stereo MC. Not on my list, but I do know it. Yeah, right. I'm gonna have to like re-listen to to see if I get to it. But you're not gonna make me sing it, are you? No, no, no. Well, hey, I think you should, John. <laughs> not you if you just, remember you it. You did just talk up, uh, you know how much you you love enjoyed singing it. So you're right. I did. Oh yeah. And... All right, I'm listening to it right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a good one. This is a good one. Gotta make sure y'all connected. connected. Yeah. Riding's on, on the wall. wall. Yeah. I loved that song. That's good. I don't know. I was. I've always been kind of like a closet dance fan. It would like dance music. That those like late '90s or whatever. Like that. Um. Like that club vibe had some really good catchy stuff to it at that time. Yeah. 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 Very much so. 
All right, Scott, what is your number eight? You know, John, I don't know if you if you looked at my list previously or what's happening here, but the segues you're giving me are, are incredible because <laughs> for my number eight, I also went to the dance charts, funny enough. All right. uh, and initially, this is a song I've always loved, and it has nostalgic value for me as well. And initially, I placed it in the early 2000s, and so I just kind of didn't think about it. I It came up, and I said, oh, no, that's got to be you know, 2000, 2001, because that's when I remember listening to it. And on doing some further research, I the song came out in 1998, uh, so it fits. And, you know, so I wanted to kind of get it on the list here. I wanted to get a dance track on here because, like you just said, Adam, I think that late 90s, that sort of surge in in dance music and club music was was huge. And so I wanted it represented on my list. And this is one that I used to – I roller skated a lot as a kid. Uh, we'd go to the, I'd go to the roller rink or I would just kind of rollerblade outside. And this is one of the songs that just was on repeat at the, at the roller rink. And I kind of fell in love with it just you know, doing laps and laps and laps to this song. And it's so catchy. And if I, you know, if I were to just do the, you know, the sort of the dancey part of it, I think it's recognizable by everyone. The song is Better Off Alone by Alice DJ. Off the top of my head. Yeah. So that is. Oh yeah. Yeah. And oh totally. Oh, that's a yeah, that's a total jam. And it's just so catchy, and you know, people don't know it by name, they don't know it by artist, but when you listen to the song, it you've heard it before. It, it's one of those. Yeah. It's just so fun and so catchy, so easy to dance to. Whether you're a good dancer, bad dancer. If it comes on, you're going to start moving a little bit. You're going to nod your head a little bit because it just has one of those infectious beats. And yeah. just one again, that it, it, whenever I think about skating as a kid, that's the first song that comes into my head because it just <laughs> played so damn much at the skating <laughs> rink. And, I, you know, I probably fell on my ass a few times just trying to dance while skating, which is, <laughs> kids, if you're listening, just just master one before you <laughs> one thing at a time. One. Yeah, one at a time, but... Uh, it's just a lot of fun for me. So this was just kind of a fun pick for me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very catchy. I had to re refresh myself with it, but it, once you hear it, you're just like, Oh yeah. Those synth noises. And like, yeah, that exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Gets there. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. I'm, I'm enjoying this cause we're definitely, we're definitely running the gamut on some things. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, we'll see where else this comes to. Uh, all right, let's come around to number seven. Uh, my number seven, I go definitely into the alternate rock, um, definitely some kind of grunge-esque elements to the song. Uh, there's, a, I don't know, it could be on either's list. It could be on, I actually would be more surprised if it's on either of y'all's list, but there's a chance. Um, John, we actually talked about this song a little bit because uh, it was on the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack, 
And I'm a big fan of the Weird Al parody, but my number seven is Crash Test Dummies. Mm, 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 mm. Once there was this kid who got into an accident and couldn't come to school, but when he finally came back, his hair had turned from black into bright white. Said that it was from when the cousin smashed so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of my honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah, did, 19- did not make my list. Uh, yeah, love the movie, love the Dumb and Dumber episode, yeah. uh, but did not make my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, came out in 1993. It hit number four on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, and actually, despite receiving mostly negative reviews from critics, it was very successful around the world, peaking at number one in Australia, Belgium, Denmark, Germany, Iceland, Norway, and Sweden, and number four in the U.S. Um, like, I don't know. It just it hits like that style that I like. Uh, that it kind of was mm-hmm. really big to me. Um, like that, yeah, that alt rock style. I like the guy's deep voice as well. Oh yeah. Whoa. I mean that's there that's the selling good. point of the song yeah. to me. <laughs> he definitely. He has that that unique uh low voice to it. Um and just his hums the you know the nice low way that he does it. And then I I love Weird Al and I think Weird Al's version is awesome too. You know whenever I think of Weird Al stuff, it also honestly if I like the song tends to make me more nostalgic for the actual song itself and then which makes me more nostalgic for the Weird Al version. It's just a cyclical um you know more nostalgia love right there. So yeah, definite fan of that one. Whenever I think of the Weird Al parody of that song, I think about the like in the middle of where he starts doing like hand fart sounds. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, <laughs> where are we? Seven. Uh, yeah, you're number seven. Okay, so it is possible that my number seven uh, might show up higher on someone's list because this was a monster of a track, uh, and I'm I'm I was nostalgic for the song, and I definitely knew the song before. This one particular thing, but there's a scene in a movie where this song gets used, and anytime I hear it, that's that scene in the movie plays in my head, uh, and that is House of Pain's Jump Around. Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. I came to win, battle me, that's a sin. I won't ever slack up, punk, you better back up. Try and play the role and you're the whole crew will act up. Get up, stand up, come on, throw your hands up. If you got the feeling, jump up, touch the ceiling. Monks, let's up one fluff, someone's fucking jump, yo, I'll bust them in the eye. Not on my list. Not on my list. Oh, that is that song is yeah. still so good. Um anytime anyone hears it, it I mean I, it makes you want to do what the title says to do, which is jump around. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean it kind of competed with uh crisscrosses jump, but to me, <laughs> this is the better song of yeah. the the jump wars, I guess we'll yeah. call it. Who knows? <laughs> sure. It's it's definitely the one that I think has lasted the longest. And it's just so full of energy. I I don't know anyone who, when they hear this song, doesn't make them want to at least kind of get up and move around a little bit, if not jump along with it. Yep. 
And and you mentioned the movie. I, wasn't this one? This was in Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yeah. They're all standing on the thing, and, and yep, yep. Robin Williams is dancing. Yeah, right before he gets in trouble with his wife. Uh, yeah, was, for having was, a petting zoo in their house. Exactly. I remember a goat eating the cake, all this kind of shit. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. That is a fun movie, and does kind of remind me of that. And so, yeah, a really good song. I definitely don't deny the quality of that one. Agreed. Yeah, Re- really good song. It made my top twenty. Uh, you know, I, I had to cut it out, but it's funny. I, I recently watched. Um, there's a documentary on Hulu called Kid 90 about Soleil Moonfry and kind of oh, yeah. her rise to fame through the 90s. And she actually dated the lead singer of House of Pain on and off during the 90s. And so, it, you know, it kind of delved, you know, delved into their relationship a little bit and everything that was going on there. So it kind of reinvigorated the song to me recently because I was like, <laughs> oh, House of Pain, jump around. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I, uh, yeah, it, it's a great song. So yeah. I, no qualms with that pick whatsoever. All right. Well, then what is your number seven, Scott? So my number seven, uh, this was when I, I started to get a little bit more serious and not as fun with my picks. Like the, <laughs> the, the first three were kind of nostalgic picks. They're fun songs. Yeah. I've started to go a little bit more quality, you know, as my list started to go on, at least from my perspective. Uh, this, my my number seven is I think it's a song that unfortunately gets bashed over time. It hasn't aged well, and I think that's because of what it's synonymous with. But I grew up with an older sister. Uh, shout out Stacy, my older sister. Uh, she's five years older than me. So, you know, we shared a room and, you know, kind of in the mid-90s in there. So it was hard for me to get away from a lot of the things that she was interested in, just, mm-hmm. you know, based on proximity, and I couldn't get away from it. And one of uh, the things that, that she was interested in and one of the things that she kind of watched a lot was the TV show Dawson's Creek. That TV show had a pretty iconic theme song mm. that, uh, you know, to this day just gets stuck in my head, unfortunately. And sometimes <laughs> I can't get it out for weeks on end. So my number seven is I Don't Want to Wait by Paula Cole. Every time phone every heartbeat stinging when she thought it was gone. Actually, I watched uh, Dawson's Creek thanks to my older sister as well. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that show a little bit. Very heavily, uh, Katie Holmes was a was a childhood crush for sure. <laughs> um, and the movie, the uh, I was gonna say the movie, uh, the gift is really the gift <laughs> in my life. <laughs> That's all I want to say. Of course, it is. That's the gift in my life, but that is a catch. It definitely, definitely brings me back to that show too. Uh, I think it's a, it's a fun. Yeah, uh, the song itself is 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 okay in my opinion, but it's 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 ties to Dawson's Creek. It can never be separated from that show, mm-hmm. which is, I think in I think in the um the Netflix they don't have the rights to it and they have to have a different fucking song, which is ridiculous. Yep, correct. So it's funny that so initially Kevin Williamson, the creator of the show, wanted to use. Uh, hand in my pocket by Alanis Morissette mm. as the theme song mm. and he they were all set to do that and I guess he just somehow heard Paula Cole's I don't want to yeah. wait and said you know what 
that's a better song. I yeah. like that better and it fits better. So I ended up going with that. And I mean, that worked wonders, you know, kind of for, for that song. I mean, it did end up peaking at number 11 in 1998. So it, it certainly had chart success. Again, a lot of that is because of how popular the, the yeah. TV show was, but it's a song that people, you know it, whether you love it or hate it, yeah. you know, you know the yeah. song and, and you, everyone knows the, I don't want to wait for our yeah. lives to be over part. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, do you know what song they have to use for Netflix now or what song they're using? I don't remember. Okay. It's not very popular. Like okay. whatever it is. I've never <laughs> heard it outside of, of watching an episode of Dawson's Creek. Yeah. It might honestly, it might be the same song that they just have a different version. Like someone covered it or something because they couldn't get the Paula Cole version. Or no, something. it's a completely different song. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, I, it's, yeah, completely I'm not going to lie. I haven't gone back and rewatched Dawson's Creek. <laughs> so the gift though, I have rewatched the gift a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you just mean that like 30 second scene yes god damn yeah, right not the whole movie once once adam uh you know discovered fast forward he yeah you know, he didn't have to sit through the whole movie anymore <laughs> oh masturbatory childhood memories <laughs> hilarious fun for the whole family uh where are we uh my number six i think yeah. okay you're number six and I don't, I'm not going to mention much of it because I think this one is absolutely going to be higher on John's list at least. Um, and the only reason that it might not be is because he really likes this artist so much. He may not consider her a one hit wonder, but I think she absolutely was. My number six is Criminal by Fiona Apple. Don't you tell me to I struggled with that. I yeah. really did. And in the end, I wasn't I didn't feel I didn't feel right <laughs> considering her a wonder wonder. So I didn't put her on my list for that reason. But yeah, that that came up and I'm like, oh God, is she really a one hit wonder? She kinda is if yeah. you go by different but I, I just didn't feel right doing it, so she didn't make my list. That yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But um yeah, so she had this is the only well, she had one song that also hit 104 on the Billboard Hot 100. Besides that, this was a, a hit number 21. Nothing else that she had hit in the U in the um the Billboard Hot Hot 100. Now she just she did have some stuff that hit um in like the alternative charts, uh, but nothing like this. Like th this mm -hmm. was her definite biggest one. It came out in 1997. John and I actually talked about this album. Um, highly recommend that for anybody. It won a Grammy for best female rock vocal performance. I mean. The music video was huge. Another, we talked about it, kind of weird but sexual, creepy thing to it that, you know, just it was, it was very interesting, very art house, um, kind of noir, heroin chic style to it. Um, the actual the director of the music video was uh, the guy who directed the Johnny Cash Hurt, as well as um, mm. Closer Banana Inch Nails, Scream by Michael Jackson and Janet, uh, and also Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. So versatile a little bit on those. <laughs> but it's a, it's a beautiful song. It can be a haunting kind of song. Um, 
and we don't need I don't need to mention too much more about it because I know John's you're you're a huge fan, but also we did a whole album review on it because you like Fiona Apple that much. Yeah. 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 She was also your your number one nineties crush, I believe. Was she? I know I she think, was on the list. I don't remember I didn't remember I, where, where I she think fell. she was your number one. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. God, I watched that I watched that video every time <laughs> it came on. Masturbatory humor. Woo! Hey woo. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you go back to our talking about us in the 90s. Those were formative years for us. Sometimes that that leaves an impression. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, my number six, uh, I did uh, go into the foray of alternative, and this was this was late. This was 99. Um, so this one, I actually remember this more in college because late 99 is when I started college, and it was on, you know, up th- through those first few years of uh, the 2000s. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. My number six is My Own Worst Enemy by Lit. Higher. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. All right, Scott, what's your number six then? Uh, I My number six, I think, could potentially be higher on someone's list, so I won't go too much into it. Uh, I will say this. It's not a song that I remember too much from actually – you know being a kid and when it came out it's definitely a song that i rediscovered you know kind of as i grew up and and got into more genres of music but it's just it's i just think it's such a good song i mean i listened to it in preparation for this and just found myself just you know belting out the chorus again and you know just really having a good time with it my number six is if you could only see by tonic well you got your reasons and you've got your life And you've got your manipulations They cut me down to size Yeah, it didn't make my list, but it definitely was a song that I, I remembered and loved hearing mm-hmm. um, all through the 90s. And I think it wasn't – wasn't that one – They all, Tonic also had a song on the American Pie soundtrack. Mm. And I can't – I don't remember if it was that one or another one. I think it was an, another one. And I've, I've always yeah. actually liked that song better. Maybe I just in was- my head – conflated them and it was like oh that's why they're not a one-hit wonder that one was called you wanted more that's right you wanted more yeah and it you know if you could only see it peaked at number 11 so you know definitely a, a big hit there and it just seems like you know they had some definitely had some other songs i, I you know went into their discography and, and listened more and they have a lot of other songs that i like unfortunately they just didn't have the yeah. chart success to you know kind of not be considered a one-hit wonder but it's just it's one of those fun songs you know you hear it kind of you know at a bar or you know something like that or karaoke you know someone will get up there and and you know do the song and there's some fun parts in it and i just think musically it's put together it's got that you know kind of that uh you know the, the heavy guitar on it and you mm-hmm. know something that you can if you're air guitar and you know you can kind mm-hmm. of start to to jam out to it a little bit so it, it's a lot of fun and it just 
in that genre again uh, as a seven-year-old that's not really the type of music you're you're listening to really but definitely a song that uh, i appreciate and and uh wanted to uh just kind of shout out on this list yeah you know it made me think about um i i've been thinking lately that some of these 90s one-hit wonders i really should go back and actually listen to the albums that these songs came off of and and find out you know where was it were they really worthy of only being a one-hit wonder or was there other good stuff because sometimes sometimes you can go back and you're like oh yeah this is clearly the only radio hit off an album and you know a lot of this stuff i didn't buy the album because either the song didn't hook me or not enough of the songs hooked me and i don't think i usually bought an album if there was only one song i recognized unless i just you know really loved it or couldn't get it out of my head so some of this stuff might be worth going back through and, and listening to their catalogs and, mm-hmm. and, you know, listening to whether or not they were any good. Uh, all right. We made it through our bottom half. Adam, get us started off on our top half. Yeah. Uh, top half, my number five. This band has actually been mentioned before. And what's funny about this song is it's not from the 90s at all. It actually first came out in the 80s. But that was in the U.K., I'm including it on this album because this song came out in 1993 in the U.S., and that's why I consider it a 90s one-hit wonder, and that is The Proclaimers, I'm Gonna Be 500 Miles. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I haver, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's havering to you. But I would walk 500 classic song uh one of my wife's favorite songs and actually my kids love it too so i end Mm -hmm. up having to play it in the car a lot but you know what it still doesn't get old it's still fun to sing yeah it is it is very similar to the breakfast at tiffany's that poppy kind of fun rock um hit number three on the billboard hot 100 i mean just just catchiness out the wazoo you said, yeah, you kind of play it and you can kind of play it over and over again. That definitely another thing that ties into that was uh, the show How I Met Your Mother. Like there was that <laughs> oh, whole yeah. joke where it was stuck in the tape. <laughs> and there's that time where you you love it and you love it for the first bit and then you hate it. And then you come back and you fucking love it. <laughs> it is a great sing or a great song to sing along with your friends. It's just so much fun. Agreed. Yeah. Can't add anything. Fun yeah. song. Yeah. How I Met Your Mother just, you know, kind of reinvigorated it for me yeah. and brought it kind of new appreciation after I, you know, maybe kind of let go of it for a decade or so. But mm-hmm. yeah, everything you mentioned, just a really fun song. One of those, if it's on, you're going to sing along. You, yeah. you almost, you know, you're hard pressed if not to. So, yep. Uh, all right. My number five, I will be shocked if it's on anyone else's list, mostly because this song has a big nostalgic tie for me to a relative. And, I don't know what it was that he hooked onto this song for. Maybe it's because uh, he was a dancer by profession. Um, But he always liked to hear this song. And even fairly recently, whenever the last time I actually saw him was, which was a while ago, but sometime in the last decade, he even mentioned this song there. And I've always enjoyed it. And so anytime I hear it, I think of my uncle and the song is Cantaloupe Flip Fantasia by Us Three. Wait, wait a minute. Groovy 
groovy, jazzy, funky, pounce, bounce, dance as we dip in the melodic sea. Rhythm keeps flowing, it drips the MC. Sweet sugar pop, sugar pop, rocks and pop. You don't stop till the sweet beat drops. I show improve as I stick and move. Vivid poems recited on top of the groove. Smooth, my, floating like a butterfly. New set of float, sung like a lullaby. Brace yourself as the beat hits ya. Dip, trip, hit Fantasia. Yeah, got good, like, hip-hop and jazz elements in there. Yeah, 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 I absolutely recognize that one. I didn't realize that uh, Uncle Tom was a, such a big fan. Yeah, he uh, he used to like used to play it. I remember listening to him, he had the CD, he, he loved the CD. So cool. I think they were, like, a, a British hip-hop group. Um, I think that was the only song that ever came over, so. But, nice. yeah, it's a, it's a fun catch to the song, and I just, I have a huge nostalgic tie to it, which is how it ended yeah. up so high on my list. That's very cool. All right. Scott? Yeah, my uh, my number five is just a song that I think it might be the best song on my list. I, I just, just musically, and I think the lyrics are great. I think the way it's performed uh, by the lead singer is, is excellent. Uh, I think it's a song that has, you know, kind of stood the test of time. I, it's one of those songs that, you know, is on movie soundtracks or, you know, could be, you know, playing on a, you know, dramatic TV show episode, but just great great lyrics i i just love the way the song is crafted uh so my number five is uh the freshman by verb pipe can't be held responsible she was touching her face i won't be held responsible she fell in love in the first place for the life of me i cannot remember what made us think that we were wise and we never compromised for the life of me i cannot believe we'd ever die for these sins we were merely flashman oh yeah, yeah. It made my, my initial list. yeah made my initial list but didn't didn't make it uh, up to the mm-hmm. top 10 yeah, it's just one of the. I just think it's a really, really good song, top to bottom. Uh, I, you know, the lyrics are great. I, I remember being in, you know, in college as a freshman and kind of just listening to it, just to kind of, you know, commemorate, like, hey, you know, hey, I'm here, and you know, we're the, the, you know, the we were only freshmen line is, you know, you start to reminisce and think about college afterwards and just everything that was going on. And I kind of, I listen to the song and I can kind of see the faces of my friends from college and just some of the things that we were doing with that song kind of in the background. So I, I just. I, it's a song that I kind of really, really fell in love with nostalgically, and uh, that's and and I think it's a really good song actually too. So I, yeah. I wanted to include it on my list. I remember spending a lot of time in high school actually trying to learn how to play that song, hmm. uh, just the the riffs, which aren't terribly difficult, but it was you know it, it's a fun little riff to to play. So I definitely had a, a nostalgic tie to that there. Yeah, it definitely does make me think. I can't remember what soundtrack it's it's been on, but I definitely do. Like, I have like a tie. With like a film, with I know it's on. Um, I know it's in American Reunion, the f- okay. the fourth American Pie, the the you know yeah. one when they were older, and I it's got to be on something from like the ni- late nineties. Yeah, exactly. It feels like it should have been, and I'm sure it was. So, yep, good choice, Adam. You number four. 
Uh, my number four is firmly into the grunge era. Um, mm. Actually, because it made my top ten grunge songs. I can't remember if it made your list, John, or if it was an honorable mention. Uh, if it is a one-hit wonder, it's absolutely fucking kick-ass song. It's the Toad. It's Toadie's Possum Kingdom. That was I remember because that was your number one and that was my number ten. Okay, yeah, so, it was up. It, was, it wasn't my. It may not have been my number one, but it was up there. It was like my two or three, I think. I'm pretty sure it was number one. No, it was, that would, that's not my favorite grunge song of all time. Okay, I will. I will bet. It was all really. My money on it that. was really high. I because I'm actually. I'm pretty sure. Because I'm pretty sure. Um, Hunger Strike was number one. No, oh, you're probably right on that. Yeah, case. I love Hunger Strike, but uh, but yeah, Possum Kingdom, um, came out in 1994, number four on the modern rock charts. Um, it actually, it kind of it jumps between uh, seven four and an eight four time signature, which is kind of fun. Well, it wouldn't be they wouldn't say eight four; it would be four oh four. God. Jesus Christ! You're so pretentious <laughs> with your fucking music, John. <laughs> That's I, I ripped that straight from Wikipedia, and you couldn't let me have this one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Whiskey. I'm not drinking. I'm not even drinking. I'm just comparing pretentiousness. Oh, my pretentiousness! Yes, there is pretentiousness <laughs> with my whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> Last night I had a fantastic Russell's Reserve single barrel. It was absolutely delicious. Um, anyway, this is a this is a good song. It's a good rock song. It's a catchy song as well. On top of all that, I bet people may not know the song name Possum Kingdom um, or the band Toadies, but when you hear this, you're like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, I've absolutely heard that mm-hmm. before. So it's just a it's just a damn good song for me. Do they say the words Possum Kingdom anywhere in the song? I really don't remember them doing that at all. <laughs> okay, I don't either. Yeah. Uh, all right, my what are what am I on four? Yep. Uh, my number four. Uh, I for some reason this song was a little bit lower, and then when I started to look at my list in terms of nostalgia, this one got, got bumped and bumped and bumped. Um, and I I really did love listening to this song, and it was only a few years ago that this band actually got the rights back to earn money from the song because they got sued by the Rolling Stones. Uh, and that is the Verbs Bittersweet Symphony. It made my uh, my honorable mention. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Me as well. Honorable mention. Okay. Um. So the 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 funny thing is, and here is where like copyright can be iffy. Um. Actually, as it turned out, it was a specific guy. I actually heard a story on this. It was a specific guy who owned the rights who refused to give them up. I think actually in the end, the Rolling Stones themselves didn't care because the lick that he took that uh, the lick that he took to sample. Uh, it came from a Rolling Stones 
orchestral version CD from like the 70s. But that particular lick was arranged and written or was written by the arranger. Not It didn't appear anywhere on the original song. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. Um, they needed to fill the space with something. So he created that little lick to fill the space. And so um, anyway, I, I, I know that whoever owned it, that, that guy finally passed. Uh, and his son was like, here, you guys can have the – there's no reason for me to hold on to the rights for this. So they, they finally got it back. But it, I think it's a, a catchy song. And mm-hmm. as soon as you hear those kind of strings swell up, because it kind of comes in out of nowhere when it starts, I think everyone immediately remembers you know, the song, either from hearing it on TV, movies. That song has been everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I, I immediately think of the movie Cruel Intentions, which mm-hmm. the end of mm-hmm. that movie um, – yeah is when that song was playing. And I think that gave the song new life, but it, it it's it probably one of the more iconic and well-known one hit wonders of the nineties. So it, yeah. it's, it, it's definitely recognizable. I think universally and, it, and it's a, it's a really good song. So I, again, no, no issues with that one. Yeah. Kind of during that um, British invasion era uh, in the nineties. Sure. Oasis and yeah. kind of all those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Scott, number four, my number four, uh, I, distinctively remember as a seven-year-old when it came out in 1996 i think primarily because of how lyrically controversial the song was and you know didn't really think too much else of it except for that you know it had kind of a buzzworthy word in the title and and all throughout the song and but then listening to the song you know getting older and growing up i i think it's a a really good song i think it uh is obviously you know a song that maybe some people just won't listen to because of of the you know the content but a song that will kind of get you you know it's water cooler you know debate if you want to you know talk about whether or not it, it should be played or not but my number four is one of us by joan osborne I considered putting it on the list, but in in the end, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the song. Mm. But uh, I do have a, a story about that. But I'll let Adam say oh. his bit before. Yeah, no, it was um, definitely a catchy song, like the solid song. It, not one of my favorites either, but uh, I definitely remember. Yeah, like the impact. It was water cooler is definitely a thing. Wasn't didn't she say have have God as a female in that one as well? Or maybe I'm thinking of something else. You're th- I think you're thinking of something else. Probably, but um. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it's a good. It's a song, as you. I guess you said your top half is a lot more serious, and this definitely has a lot more of like that kind of serious take on some stuff and and talking about stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate that choice. Uh, so my <clears throat> excuse me, my memory of this song is uh, in '96, uh, the Olympics came to Atlanta, where Adam and I were living near at the time, and the uh, Olympic bombing had already happened. By this point, uh, it happened at uh, the Olympic Park, which was kind of right next to um, the stadiums. 
And so they finally opened it up, and we went down there to see a concert, and the concert was Joan Osborne. Um, it was a free concert, so we got to listen to her. Um, pretty much towards the end of the concert, there was a bomb scare, and they evacuated the entire park. And uh, I remember our mother uh, had a boyfriend at the time named Raphael. Mm-hmm. And we were all there, but Raphael and I had walked away to go do something. Might have been to get food or go do something. And that's when the uh, thing happened, and we got separated uh, from everyone. And so we had this long trek because we had we we did this weird long trek where we like we took Marta, uh, which is like a not a subway but like a tram, uh, down to the park. And so we had parked far away, and it was it turned into this whole ordeal. But for some reason, I've always associated the song with that memory. Yeah, and I, again, I think the controversy of the song, I'm sure, didn't help, you know, in that in that situation there, you know, asking if, you know, what if God was a slob like one of us or a stranger on the bus? And again, just as a kid, I remember being like, oh, my God, you know, God, the word God is in the song. Like, this is a yeah. no, you know, you can't talk about it at school. You know, this is, well, you know, whoa, this is kind of a big deal. I've never heard anything like this before. And then, like I said, getting older, just kind of listening to it, I think that it it does ask some some questions in there that, yeah. that you know can kind of get you thinking so i don't know that it's as controversial now i mean there there are songs that talk about harder stuff and, and, and but i do agree that it was a it was a deep thinking song uh all right adam number three i'm so confident my number three is higher on john's list i'm not even gonna say anything <laughs> are about you that? sure i am super confident this song is either your number one or your number two i am dead certain on that Okay. Uh, all right. I'll uh, I'll eat crow if it's not, but I'm that com- <laughs> I I feel like I know you, John. I've known you for 35 years. Uh, all right. So my number three is probably going to be an unexpe- unexpected pick. It's probably a somewhat lesser known pick. Um, I'm diving back into kind of the world of electronica with this one. I don't know what it was about this song that hooked me, but I would listen to it any time. Uh, it came on the radio, and I definitely pretty, you know, 99.99% sure that is a one-hit wonder because I didn't recognize anything that this person has done. And the song is Your Woman by White Town. Yeah, that's a catchy ass song. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a very. I was doing my research, and this one, like, when I was like listening to this one, I was like, "Damn, that's a good song," but I just couldn't end up putting it on my list. Mm-hmm. I I listened to it so much that I was like, if I'm gonna go off of nostalgia, yeah. this is gonna come higher on my list for that very reason. Yeah, that's valid. Do you recognize the song, Scott? Uh, I reckon the name "Your Woman." I think I think I saw it on a list when I was researching. Uh because that definitely stands out there it's got to be one of those that i'm sure if i listen to it yeah you know i'd recognize it but maybe not just by the name it's it's the one that's got the okay never be a woman yep absolutely yeah see that's that if 90s one hit wonders have anything 
they've got some some sort of hook in them that's going to make you immediately remember them. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, then, what is your number three? My number three is really probably well, not probably, but the only I guess you know hip hop sort of R and B. Uh, song that's represented on my list here which was such obviously a huge genre in the 90s and had Mm -hmm. so many great hits um i think hip-hop is one of those where if you had a good hit your next one did pretty well so there weren't as many one-hit wonders as in some other genres Mm -hmm. but this one you know just kind of looking back uh you know this artist did not have anything that even came as close to what this song did the song peaked at number two on the charts in 1996 and that is return of the mac by mark morrison Dude, that was my number. That was my number ten up until I remembered that thing you do, and then I had to knock knock it down. And dude, what a catchy song! I want to say part of it is my love for Ben Young. He keeps kind of bringing that up on Trivial Warfare and stuff like that. That that song is so good. Yeah, it it again, it's just it's catchy. It's got the great beat. You yeah. recognize it instantly. I mean, everyone knows the Return of the Mac part and the mm-hmm. Yeah la to me. You know, everyone. Yep. It's one of the songs everybody loves to sing along to it, whether you know the words or not. Yes. It's just it's you know. The verses are just fun. I don't know many of the words to the verses, to be honest with you, but I, you know, I still enjoy it just kind of singing along. And that song was everywhere. And like you said, it kind of gets revitalized, I feel like, every five years or so. Like it'll go away and then you'll hear it somewhere and you're like, oh my God, I need to listen to it right now. And then I'll listen to it for a week straight. (laughs) Then I'll put it down and I'll pick it back up. And it's just one of those. And I just think it's, it's such a fun song. I think even just like, a couple months ago, I was grocery shopping and Return of the Mac came on. And just you just find myself just kind of like grooving and moving my head, you know, along with it as I'm going up and down the aisles. Such a good one. I, I think that there was probably more one-hit wonders in hip-hop in the earlier parts of the 90s. Because I, I actually, for my number 10, I struggled with putting on two hip-hop songs that I was big fans of. And that was Skilo's I Wish and uh, Positive K's I Got a Man. Because I watched, I watched the video for "I Got a Man." I don't know how many times on on MTV. I got a man. I love that song. <laughs> uh, it's very, it's very actually misogynistic when you go back and actually listen to the oh yeah the words. It's really bad. Mm. Uh, all right, uh, number two, Adam. My number two is uh, was it John's number five or six? I can't remember, but it was uh, lit. My own worst enemy. Can we forget about the? When I was drunk Didn't mean to call you that I can't remember what was said Or what you threw at me Please tell me Please tell me why My car's in the front yard And I'm sleeping with my clothes on Came in through the wind Yeah, it was my number six. Yeah. 
Um, this style, this uh, post-grunge rock was really one of just my favorites. Obviously very formative in my like late middle school and early high school um, eras when a lot of us like get the music that we kind of hold on to forever as our music. Um, this one came out in 1999. Uh, it hit number 51 on the Billboard Hot 100, number one on the Modern Rock Charts. I loved this album. Like this album was so important to me and it's one that i've actually mentioned to john before that we've got to get to it um for one of our album reviews i struggled with putting it on here only because i remember miserable being fairly popular oh yeah um, i kind of remember that song you, too yeah and it also kind of had that um controversial line where it says you make me come you make me complete uh and the whole you know you make me come ha ha ha, ha. uh and it had uh, pamela anderson in the music video and of that was in there they are playing on her kind of in her in a bikini the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that song actually was is one of my least favorites from the actual album. The album was amazing. And so it's hard for me to, yeah, like I said, consider them that. But this song, it is for multiple people consider it one hit wonder. And I loved it. I mean, this is if we had to pick like our top 90s, you know, just, you know, alt rock songs, this would definitely be up there for me. Um yeah, I, I I absolutely adore Lit, and actually I love a lot of other stuff from that album, uh, Place in the Sun. So, uh, yeah, great great song. Yeah, I, I I love this song too. I just remember my brother and I listening to this song, watching the video over and yeah. over and over again. So much that you can sing along to. Didn't make any sense to us, you know. <laughs> yeah. My car is in the front lawn, and I'm sleeping with my clothes on. I came through the window last night. It, you know, it's one of those songs where we literally belt it out. And then, you know, my dad would walk in the room and just kind of make a face like, what the hell are you guys singing? Yeah. You know, you know what, yeah. what is what has become of music? You know, like, what, so, what is yeah. this? And, you know, he did a lot of that with, you know, when we listen to like Limp Bizkit or Blink-182. Yeah. Just yeah. like, you know, these songs that they, the lyrics didn't really make a lot of sense, but it was just so catchy and so much fun. Uh, yeah, this, this is such a great song. Yep. And I, I remember, I mean, part of my style... I was definitely maybe not influenced by this music video, but just that era. Um, Cause I remember this was like the music video I think was set in like a bowling alley and stuff like that. But there was a ter- period like in my late middle school, maybe it was early high school. I would have like bleach blonde hair. Um, I wore baggy cargo shorts and bowling shirts all the fucking like that. That's what I wore. <laughs> and that is this style like lit. And this, that was, that was, that was me at that time. And, and I had like- a chain, I had a chain wallet too. Yep. <laughs> And your life is in full saturated color because all of the music videos of that time yeah. were like oh, bright, super, saturated. <laughs> super saturated in color. Yeah. Uh, all right. So my number two, I'm guessing, is the song that Adam was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's my number one, I'll be shocked. Uh, I think my, we. I, I think we're going to have the same number one if I had to guess. I don't think so. Okay. I really don't think so. Uh, my number two is Flagpole Setta by Harvey Danger. That's not the one I thought was going to be your number three. Shit, John, you're going to make me eat crow because I'm going to be fucking shocked if you did not put this uh, song on your top ten list. I, I'm, I'm probably you're, you're probably going to be eating crow because uh, this is this is not a song that I think uh, 
you're expecting me to put it. Okay. Um, but uh, well, anyway. I, I great song, Flagpole Sitta. Um, but yeah, not not on my list. Made my sort of initial list before I started to cut it down. Very very catchy song. I think for yeah. me, it, a little, it's been a little bit overplayed, and I think that's why it ended up off my list. That's fair. It's definitely one of those songs that I think people forget. First of all, nobody can never remember what the damn name of the song is or the name of the band. But as soon yeah. as you get to the chorus, everyone remembers the chorus. Everyone will start to sing along. Uh, mm-hmm. Super catchy and definitely in that kind of 90s alternative genre that I, I grew yeah. up loving so much. Uh, all right, Scott, what's your number two? My number two is just a song that I just love singing along to so much. And another song that I didn't couldn't recall actually you know, listening to it or hearing it when it came out in the, in the mid nineties. But as I got older and, and listened to it and got more into music, just a song that I, I just really, really enjoy singing. I think it's, there's just parts of the song that are a lot of fun and I'm just going to sing the first line and you guys are going to know exactly, you know, what the song is. You may not know the name or the artist, but it, I know what you're doing. Yeah. See it all too uh, clear. Duncan Sheik, Duncan Sheik, <laughs> Duncan <laughs> barely Sheik, breathing, barely breathing yeah. is my number two. Absolutely. considered putting on that on uh, my initial list that was that was a we had a, a great span of acoustic singer songwriter mm-hmm. stuff uh come out of the late 90s and he was definitely one of those guys yeah. probably should have got more recognition yep. um, from other songs I, I was not i did not listen to any of his album but based on that one song i can probably tell that there would have been other songs on his album i would have liked yeah, it's just one of those songs. It's, it's. I just think it's, it's crafted well. I like the lyrics. He, I think he sings it very, very well. Um, yeah. You know, the first two verses, and I, I love when it. You know, after, after the second chorus, when you know he goes into it changes it. I swung too high. I swing below. I just that song is just a lot of fun. I listened to it again. You know, making this list, and I <laughs> again just found myself singing it and just you know moving a little bit and trying to hit all the notes the right way that he does. So I, yeah, that's. I just I really enjoy that song. Well, we made it to our number ones. I'm kind of scared to do some uh, honorable mentions Me now. Too. So Let's, I think we, we'll have we to wait. wait. On those? Yeah. yeah, but I think the first thing we're going to have to do is I think we're going to have to get Adam's number th- <laughs> was it number 3? My number 3. I was I was so fucking certain that both my number 1 and my number 3 were going to be in your top 3, and obviously one of them is not. Maybe both of them are not, and I'm fucking shocked. Um so my number 3, I think it made it made both of our '90s uh, music video lists. I thought it was your number one, and it's just a fucking gorgeous song. It's Sinead O'Connor. Nothing compares to you.
didn't make my list, and the only reason it didn't make my list was because as I was going back over my other previous lists, I was actually trying not to include songs I had used uh, yeah. on other lists. Maybe it's your top 10 covers. Maybe it's like number one. Yeah, on there it, or up there. it made both my top 10 covers and it made and my top 10 90s music videos. And that is the only reason it didn't make my list. Right. Well, you can understand my confidence then. Huh? Yes, I absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely can. Because that is just a gorgeous song to it listen is. to. From 1990, everybody knows it was from uh, written by Prince for his uh, side project, The Family, um, in like the mid-80s. Just absolutely stunning song. Number one on the Billboard Hot 100. The music video on top of that is just so dramatic. And um, I don't know. I find myself just getting, um, I don't know, sucked into it and just mesmerized. I'm mm. mesmerized by that music video. So, um, yeah, she, she didn't do much because she ripped up a picture of the Pope and then <laughs> nobody really liked her <laughs> after that. She was very uh, intent on, you know, some of her beliefs. And that's totally fine. Um, but, yeah, but this song is wonderful. So, uh, all right, my number one, there's still a chance that it's John's number one. Um, we loved our alt rock, and the only reason, you know what, there's a, I'm thinking about this again, John probably doesn't consider this a number or a one hit wonder because we loved multiple songs from this album. Actually, we loved multiple songs from other albums from this band, but this is the only one that really got any real airplay. And so that's why I do consider it, and it's such a fucking good song. I picked Blind Melon's No Rain as my number one. And all I can do is just pull some tea for two. It's speak my point of view, but it's not safe. It's not safe. I just want someone to send me. Oh, 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 oh. I'll always be there when you wait. You know. I struggled so hard with this list, with that song. And in the end, uh, basically out of protest, (laughs) I I did not put it on my list. But it would would have been in like a top five at least, It should have been in a top five. But the problem is is that's not even my favorite Blind Melon song. Yeah, maybe Galaxy or something Galaxy is probably my favorite Blind Melon song. Yeah. All right, so... But this is a damn good song. Yeah, it is. Um, the music, another one, music video was very, you know, uh, huge with this one, very saturated with color. And then the B-Girl stuff uh, came out in 93, um, hit number 20 on the uh, Billboard Hot 100, number one on both the um, rock tracks and modern rock tracks. It kind of had this hippie vibe to it as well. Like the whole band kind of had bits of like that 70s, 60s feel, but just a great song. Just an absolutely kind of, you know, a feel good song even as well, but mm-hmm. um, also with that kind of nice, fun rock vibe to it. So, yeah, love, and, love and Blind the Melon. video with the B-Girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. B-Girl was awesome. So, because they, they took that, actually, they took, that, they had the album cover first, and so they kind of took the album cover of, like, it was a picture of, I think, the lead singer's sister, or one of the people's sisters, um, in a B-Girl costume, and they're like, yeah, let's make a fucking music video based around that. And <laughs> we totally did, and it worked. Yeah, th- this is a song that, I mean, it's, it's such a classic song that, it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's recognizable whether, again, you yeah. know it's Blind Melon or not. And it's one of those – it's it's always pretty much near the top of people's one-hit wonder lists. And it's 
you know, always on the countdowns and things like that. And to be quite honest, the only reason that nothing compares to you and no rain didn't make my list was just kind of for the sake of diversity. And I figured okay. the mm-hmm. more uh, one hit wonders we could talk about the yeah. better. And I was kind of confident that those would come up on, on one of your lists. Cool. So I, I knew we kind of had the opportunity to talk about them, but they're both such good songs. And again, can't argue with, with that as a number one. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So my number one, uh, Adam, you are, you're probably going to be like, I'm going to get like a what the fuck moment from you. Like, really? This song? But for some reason, this song has never left me. Um, I've always loved uh-huh. it. It is kind of alternative. And I don't, I, I wish I could explain what grasps me about this song. It just does. I love listening to this song. And I'm a little jealous that the lead singer of this band got to marry Liv Tyler. Uh, I went, my number one is In the Meantime by Space Hog. In the end, we shall achieve in time the thing they call divine when all the stars will smile for me. When all is well and will is all for all and forever after. But maybe in the meantime, we don't see. Yeah, that yeah. is a surprise. That sure as shit is a surprise. Because I did I, listen to that song, and um, good song, but yeah, not not one that I really heavily considered. I had no idea that he married Liv Tyler. Oh yeah, for for a good while. Yeah, but I loved this song. It was on. Yeah. It's always been in heavy rotation for me. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it does. Listening to it, it does immediately like, yep, that's fucking nineties, baby. <laughs> like I, I think about that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I know the song. It, again, I saw it on a couple of lists. Uh, I, I yeah, I like it. It's a good song. I just it, you know it didn't really it wasn't something that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figured. But it was <laughs> but this, this one's my yeah. list. So yeah, it's surprising. I mean, it probably wouldn't have been so high if you included Blind Melon or Sinead O'Connor like you should have. <laughs> but whatever. All right. Or anyway. the you know Fiona Apple like you should have. But you know whatever. It's cool. Uh, all right. Uh, Scott, what is your number one 90s one hit wonder? My number one is a song that uh, when I researched it, surprisingly, it, I saw that it only peaked at number 42 in 1998. And I just remember it being a much, much bigger song than it, its chart you know, reflections there because I remember it just – being one of those songs that was everywhere and you know i put paula cole on here i put joan osborne on here i, I really wanted to represent uh you know it's kind of those those women singer songwriters of the 90s uh and so i did so with my number one my number one is torn by natalie imbruglia oh yeah yeah that yeah. was huge there's nothing where you used to lie a conversation has one Something real Wide awake and I can see The perfect sky 
Yep. And, and it's a surprise. Only 42. I know. I saw that and I, I couldn't believe it because that song was – and it, it's, a, it's a good song. I think she sings it well. I'm, I've seen yeah. the music video about a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, she's got that, you know, the – Color, you know, it's so 90s, right? Her wardrobe and her hair, you know, she's <laughs> got the short hair with, you know, multicolored and it just screams everything about the 90s. And yeah. when you listen to the song, it, you know, I just I really like the lyrics and, you know, the nothing's fine. I'm torn. I think the chorus is just really catchy and, and memorable. And I just, I think it's a really, really good song. That's one of those songs that's actually a surprising cover. It was a cover of another another band did it. I think it's like an Australian band, but one of the band members was helped produce her album, and that's how she got that song. And then okay. she blew it up. So, yeah. I mean, yep, yep. you know, if I write a song and I release it, and somebody else is like, "Hey, I'm going to sing it. I'm going to make you a bunch of money in the process." <laughs> Great, good. On. Tell me if you know if you want another one. You are more than welcome. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely remember the music video. It's just like set in her apartment, and that's basically it. And then she's just kind of standing, singing. Uh, other shit kind of happens around, or you know, boyfriend and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, just kind of basic. But it is, it is good. So catchy. Uh, well, let's end uh, with some honorable mentions because I'm sure there's going to be plenty. Tons. Adam, why don't you start us off? I, I don't want to mention too many, but I gotta throw out some of these huge ones that they're just kind of cringe quality but they're you still enjoy them Mm -hmm. obviously i want to throw out things like chumbawamba's tub thumping yeah like holy fuck like catchy lubega mambo number five another cheesy bun but now now i kind of listen to it with a little nostalgic fun um the omc's how bizarre how bizarre how bizarre um and then this is the last one I'll mention because there's a lot. Well, no, two more. I want to mention Snow's Informer because that shit was <laughs> <laughs> holy crap. Like I remember that song was like it hit number one, I think, on the Billboard Hot 100. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like one of the first rap songs to be number one, or maybe the first reggae songs to be number one. Whatever it was, kind of a mishmash of those styles. Um, and then the other one that I want to mention, just because there's a country throughout there, but I sang this song in the in coming on a coming radio station um with my uh country corner daycare center john they took us or maybe it was our school um and i sang uh, on radio achy breaky heart because that song was <laughs> fucking huge and growing up in the south i can tell you even more so achy breaky heart was just a monster hit so yep also that's another one that actually was surprised to find out was a cover that some other oh, band yeah. had done it first huh. okay. um Obviously, it was not a, that important that they did it then. Um, all right, so a few that I'm going to throw out. Um, uh, Four Non Blondes, What's Up? Yeah. Great song. Um, one that uh, surprisingly stayed with me and was important for me probably around middle school was uh, Desiree's You Gotta Be. Yeah, you that, gotta that's be, on man. my honorable mentions as well. Yeah, I will still a, listen to that song. It's so yeah. fucking good. Um, one that might be a little bit of a deep cut um, – uh, there was a band, and they were based out of Atlanta, called Marvelous Three, and they had a great song called "Freak of the Week" that oh, I yeah. loved. Oh, uh, yeah. Marvelous Three had a uh, the lead singer was a guy named Butch Walker. Butch Walker went on to any yeah. pop punk album you've ever heard. Butch Walker was one of the producers on. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy went on to produce a shit ton of big name people in the 2000s and 2010s. Yeah. Um, and then one that I'm just going to mention because it always made me laugh watching people try to say the name of the or not, not that it was hard to say, but that it was so wordy. And that was the song Standing Outside a Broken Phone Booth with Money in My Hand by the Primitive Radio Gods. 
And that was the one that they got sued oh, by B.B. Yeah. King because they used, I've been down hard, baby. Yeah. I've been down. They used his sample, and then they got they didn't ask for permission, so they got sued for it. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, there's so many good one-hit wonders out of the 90s. So, Scott, give us some, some, give us some more good gems to take us out on. Yeah, so obviously I had Bittersweet Symphony in mind. I had You Gotta Be by Desiree. I had Mambo Number no. 5. I didn't have this, but I want to mention it since, you know, Adam was saying, you know, we'd probably be remiss if we didn't mention some of the uh, the really, really big ones. So I'm too sexy. Right, said Fred. Oh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, it's is like, one That's of not going to make anybody's favorite list. Hell exactly. no. Exactly. Yeah, but it was huge. You know, it's one that we all know. Um, and then I, I put some uh, some really fun ones on here. Uh, this is where I kind of stacked a lot of the dancey ones. Um, so I've got <laughs> I'm I'm Blue by Eiffel 65. Yeah. It's on my honorable mentions. Um, what is Love by Hathaway. Which yeah, yeah. lady, don't from, hurt me. Yeah, everyone remembers from Night at the Roxbury. Uh, Steal My Sunshine by Len. Yeah, yep. Is another one that, one that I've always kind of enjoyed. That's just a fun kind of summer song. And then uh, the last one for me is uh, She's So High by Tal Bachman. I loved that song. That was a great song. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like it. Initially, it just kind of, you know, got bumped off, you know, kind of the last few there. But yeah, I, I you know, Cleopatra, Joan of Arc, and Aphrodite in a, in a song. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in. Cool. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on and and doing this. Uh, we are so happy uh, to have you now as part of our, our BFOP family. So uh, would you just kind of remind everyone um, what podcast you're on and where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say, you know, first and foremost, one, thank you for, for having me on. Uh, you know, th- again, this is what, you know, kind of alerted me that you guys exist in the first place, especially, you know, I love your top 10 lists. I, I get really excited when they come out and, you know, I'm, I'm listening and I, I always find myself making my own list. So to actually be able to make one and present it to you guys, uh, you know, was, was incredible there. So, you know, thank you for that. And thank you for extending me, uh, you know, the offer to join this BFOP family. It's, uh, it, it's really great. And I love all the podcasts and everyone's doing a great job and it, it's, it's great to be a part of and watch it grow. You can listen to my nostalgia cast. People don't forget, uh, you know, wherever you prefer to listen to your podcast, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google Playlist, uh, Anchor. So, you know, whatever it is, uh, we are nostalgia cast. You know, we'll do th- things where we cover, you know, I do a lot of 2000s, 2010s. Uh, you know, you guys do more 80s, 90s. So I feel like we kind of have, yep. you know, everything covered, you know, in, in that sense. <laughs> I mean, and I will go back sometimes and I'll go forward and things like that. But I try to pick specific topics, whether it's movies from a particular year or pop culture, you know, from this era and things like that. And just have people come on and, and just talk about what they remember about it, you know, and, and what makes it stand the test of time for them. So, you know, if that's something that you're interested in, please, you know, check us out, you know, pick out your episodes based on what you think might interest you. If you like what you hear, continue to listen. And, uh, you know, if you want to reach out to me at people, don't forget, uh, gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at PDF nostalgia pod. I'd love to have people on. I'd love ideas. If there's something specific you want to talk about, uh, I promise we'll make it happen. Awesome. All right. That was our top 10 nineties. One hit wonders. Please join us next time for our Star Wars episode as we break down the 1984 film The Ewok Adventure, discuss the 80s cartoon Ewoks, and recast some Star Wars characters using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. 
To find us on social media, search for at BlastPassCast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.